Hi, everybody. My name is Andre Sospina uh, here with Family Office Club, and thank you for joining our Capital Con event. Today, I have the absolute pleasure to uh, interview William Santana Lee uh, from Nightscope. Uh, he's uh, been on our events before, has spoken on our stage, uh, but today we're going to do a rapid fire session to really deep dive into the success story behind Nightscope's uh, capital raise in the past uh, 12 to 24 months. Uh, so, uh, Bill, if you can please introduce yourself, give us a little bit on your background uh, and introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Uh, greetings from Silicon Valley. Uh, I've got the COVID hair, so you get the hat today. Uh, my name is Bill Lee. I'm the chairman and CEO of Nightscope. By way of background, I'm a former automotive executive. I uh, spent 10 years, 12 different jobs, four different continents, uh, working for Ford Motor Company which was an awesome training ground for, for what we're doing at Nightscope. Um, uh, behind me is a bunch of uh, crazy autonomous security robots that we've built uh, from scratch over the last seven years. Uh, we have a slightly outrageous goal uh, to see if we can make the United States of America the safest country in the world. Uh, and the technology is a unique combination of uh, autonomous self-driving capability like a self-driving car, uh, robotics and artificial intelligence to give the 2 million law enforcement and security professionals uh, really smart eyes and ears uh, for them to do their jobs uh, much more uh, effectively. Uh, so that's a little bit of uh, a background. Um, not proud to say I've done more financial engineering uh, and getting Nightscope finance than uh, actual engineering, which is uh, not a good healthy thing, but uh, the country needs to, uh, we need this for uh, better securing our nation. So we did what it took to, uh, to get it financed despite uh, all the headwinds and naysayers and, and rock throwers. Got it. And, and can you let us know a little bit about how your background in GM kind of, I know you, you do mention your background in GM a lot and how it kind of led to you getting to Nightscope and how those two are interconnected? Uh, sure. Background at Ford Motor Company. Um, Ford Motors. Uh, so my second to last job, I was a director of mergers and acquisitions when we we're running around buying everything. Um, my last job, I was an entrepreneur. Uh, I convinced the board of directors, uh, to release a quarter billion dollars to me to do a uh, roll up in the used parts industry. Uh, if you're not familiar with what a roll up is, a lot of private equity shops do this, which is basically buy one company that looks the same as the other company as the other one and make one big one. Uh, so I bought 22 companies in 11 months, um, had about 600 employees doing about 150 million in sales. Uh, the, the fundraising related item there is that quarter billion dollars. It took me six months, uh, if I can recall correctly, uh, 23 executive reviews uh, to convince a major corporation to do something mm, completely out of spec, uh, which is going in and buying um, uh, used parts uh, providers. I think one of the lessons learned for me out of that was I was effectively running an internal political campaign. Um, mm. I was, uh, let's see, let's lay out the entire list of all the people that are gonna object to wanting to do this. And I would go see them individually um, and escalating levels of seniority in the, in the company. Um, it took time, like, okay, let's go see the parts and service division. Let's go see the manufacturing people. Let's go see the finance and purchasing people. Uh, who else is going to get agitated about this? Let's go get some data, uh, pull that whole thing together, the environmental and safety people as well. Um, 
and they, it got a little weird because uh, I'll tell you a little quick story. Um, the last, the final approval. Uh, so it was this massive table, uh, all the top executives in the in the company, and they asked me to start presenting. So to get the final approval, so I started my pitch basically, yeah. um, and I had indoctrinated everyone around the table already that they cut me off and they started doing the presentation for me. And so that's the level of buy-in that you, that you really uh, needed. I guess the funny part was um, uh, there came time for the decision and the vice chairman uh, says, hey, Bill, answer is no, because I had asked for $175 million and I'll come back for the other $75 million. And when the vice chairman said that, I mean, my heart sunk. I just spent six months trying to get everybody on board to go do this. And he says, uh, hey, listen, Bill, we're all tired of your presentation. Um, $250 million is approved. Don't come back here ever again, and we don't ever want to see this presentation ever again. And out the door you went. And, you know, at Ford, basically, it's a very finance-driven organization at the time. Um, and, get, you know, walking in uh, with uh, option A in terms of lower money and then walking out with option B, which yeah. a higher amount doesn't, it doesn't happen. Um, but basically what we needed to do is get as many people bought in as possible. Exactly. And it sounds like you, you know, you took the time to, to work it like piece by piece, right? Like it was a six month kind of plan piece by piece where really, I mean, you're trying to get buy-in everywhere. And if by any chance, one of those pieces doesn't buy in, it's kind of like that rotten apple analogy that could potentially yep. just rot all the other apples. Or at least get them to be neutral. Like, yeah, okay, you don't have to be bought in, but don't open your mouth. But I'm indifferent, just, you know, <laughs> yep. winner lose, I can care less, right? Yep. Versus them yep. being against. Yep. Uh, so um, I think it also shows that, like, that uh, determination to, to work out a plan full through versus, like, okay, let me just get everyone in one room together and try to organize, you know, that one large... It doesn't person. work that way. I mean humans require repetition. I mean, um, I I think the number is if you want to, if you want to sell a car, right, you have to ping somebody basically somewhere in the order of seven to 22 times, right? You know, Hey, check out this car. Hey, look, it has four doors. Hey, look, it comes in different colors. Hey, you can get different financing. Hey, come take a test drive. I mean, it's over and over and over again. And barring Tesla for a moment, I mean, most of the auto industry spends, 15, 20% of revenue on fixed and variable marketing. And it's just over and over and over and over to try to get somebody to do something. And now imagine that's a, an object that's readily available, right? A car. Uh, if you're trying to conceive something brand new, you're going to have to take some time. And the other good thing is, um, as entrepreneurs do that, it usually takes about six months to really get good at pitching what you're trying to convince because, um, you can anticipate what someone's objections are going to be. And if you say it in passing and like, yeah, most people would object to this, but obviously they didn't think of X. Then the other person's like, oh, okay. He's, he or she's thought this through a little bit. So it, you, the, the pitching actually is good, is good practice. And can you apply a little bit that to night scope? Maybe like that repetition, how like in, in <laughs> the story behind night scope, the repetition or, or dealing with potential naysayers, uh, practicing well, your pitch. I think I'll start, let me start at the beginning then. Um, You know, when we started pitching this uh, back in 2013, we're in Silicon Valley, Sand Hill Rose up the street, 
you know, hundred billion dollars this year is about $130 billion goes into startups. Uh, 80, 85% goes into software related companies, 10% plus or minus into biotech, you know, 5% goes into other. And then there's a little slimy sliver of robotics and hardware or, or, mm -hmm. or the like. Um, so you don't have the, the right audience. And uh, it was a, was a big problem. So we were told, hey, hey, Bill, you're out of your mind. Uh, this will never work. It's hardware and software. It's too complicated. You need to pick one. Um, and this is from like top, top, top tier folks. Um, and the last one was uh, physical security is not an investment thesis. You need to go away. And, you know, we could have just packed up and said, it took me 364 days to raise a seed round. Like we're trying to just raise a million bucks to just build one prototype to just get going and nobody would have it. But we kind of stuck to our guns and just kept beating the same horse over and over again and then started beating people into submission like, okay, maybe they've got something. Okay, maybe we should try this. Okay, let's give them a chance. And, you know, it was little by little. Um, and over the last seven, almost eight years now, you know, we've garnered, we have a crazy cap table. We have over 18,000 private investors, um, accelerators, four major corporations. Um, and that took basically a seven year political campaign to convince people that one, there's a problem two, we have a solution and three, we're the right people to execute that, that, that plan. Um, until this day, you know, people are still like, Hey, this will never work. And I'm like, okay, we've operated over a million hours across the, the country. Uh, we have major corporations, law enforcement agencies, hospitals, casinos, and stuff as, as clients. We've generated over $10 million of lifetime revenue. Keep telling me no, and we're going to keep executing. So that, that's another thing for entrepreneurs to don't take that no as a, a, a no. It's no wrong answer or no, let me learn a little bit about why there was an objection. Yeah. And then at some point, you need to grow a spine and, and have a, a decidedly different view and be able to argue your point. Um, and if you get punched in the face, you get punched in the face, like you get back up and you punch back. You don't, you don't like, Oh, they said, no, I'm, I'm going to go crawl in a corner and cry. Like if, if you know deep down in your heart that this is the right thing to do, you kind of need to just figure out and how to do it. And it might sure. not be the most conventional way, uh, but we still get the job done. So I want to, I want to deep dive a little bit more into that, uh, into that seed round, uh, raising no. a million in order to build the prototype. Uh, you know, what I, I want to know, I want a, a, a clear picture right, on, on what it looked like in terms of, of reaching out to those investors, you know, who did you, in terms of like, how did you reach out to them? Did you email them? Did you LinkedIn? Were you just in your network asking around? Uh, and then, like you said, some of them had to get turned around. Some of them may have said after a while, okay, you know what, maybe we should open up our ears a little more before even having a prototype, right? Uh, you know, what's the uh, follow-up look yeah, like? Yeah, talking, yes. Almost like if you're training a sales team to raise pre-seed capital, you know, what is that sales process? Right. Like, um, they believe full-heartedly, they believe in it, and, and you know that they can handle any rebuttal, any objection. You know, what's the game plan? Uh, I think there's a few things to think about one everything that you mentioned you got to try everything throw the kitchen sink at it uh, uh and then sometimes you might not get the right person the first time or it's the right wrong timing or or what have you um 
I, I think one thing that was certainly very helpful for us is uh, we got into an accelerator, uh, even though we hadn't raised the requisite money to be accelerating anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so we got into plug and play tech center on the third or fourth try. Um, basically, they kept saying no as well. Um, and we raised just enough money, uh, a tiny amount of capital um, to build the first prototype. Uh, and we won demo day that year, uh, that December, with the most miserable prototype you've ever seen in your life. Uh, but the New York Times uh, picked up, uh, wrote an article, and then everything changed. So one of the other things that entrepreneurs need to sometimes understand is it, it's a little weird behavior, right? Um, an investor says, no, 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 no. All of a sudden, there's an article in a major publication. Now you're real, mm. uh, which is like a third-party validation or some weird psychological effect that – Oh, because it was in a newspaper, like literally nothing changed with the business, yeah. right? Yeah. But because it was in a newspaper, therefore, uh, this is now investable. And then the money started coming in. So uh, because you got a call wind of it. And now, yeah, you get, but, you know, it was a combination of everything is being able to just keep getting up and keep, keep pitching it, keep pitching it until you get what you want. And then uh, one thing that investors don't like that I strongly counsel founders to do, uh, which is rolling closes. So one of the most punitive, unhelpful, thoughtless things that investors do is force a closing date or an escrow release date. Like, oh, you're raising a million dollars. Well, when you get to 950,000, you know, come and call me. Yeah. Like, dude, that's not really helpful. Um, so what I always counsel is, you know, all the last seven, eight years, we don't accept term sheets. So we write the term sheet. Um, that's the other thing founders like to run around begging somebody to write you a term sheet. But, you know, a publicly traded company doesn't do that. You know, here are the terms, take it or leave. If you don't like it, I'll find someone else, right? Yeah. And most founders won't have the nerve to, to do that because they've been trained by whatever silly publications around Silicon Valley and elsewhere and the VCs themselves. Like, you need to wait around for somebody to get, give you a term sheet, which is usually pretty onerous. Um, and then try to shop it around to get another more onerous uh, term sheet. What we did was like, you know, here, this is what uh, we're willing to do. This is the commercially reasonable price for what we're trying to get uh, completed. Um, and if you say no, I'm going to go on to the next person, right? And then you close that next person. You don't wait until you get to 950000 uh, and then you're at a million, then you release the money. And the reason you do that is, one, you want the power – for the founder uh, and take that power away from the investor and holding it over you. Uh, but also most importantly is you can use the capital that you brought in to make progress, which is what the investors want to see, right? There's going to see some traction that there's something there. So the first hundred thousand or 50,000 or 250 can actually get you to, you know, hire a couple people, build a prototype, uh, you know, kind of build things out. And then that in of itself will help you get the rest of the money. Investors don't want to do that. They, they want to wait, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, it's almost like going to a commercial bank is like, when you don't need the money, I'm right here for you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> sorry, not acceptable. Um, we're trying to build a company here and you guys want to play games. And, you know, most founders don't won't say that because they're 
scared that they're going to, you know, uh, infuriate some investor or whatever who's going to hold the reins over them. Hey, uh, you know, news alerts, the capital doesn't all come from Silicon Valley. It, it is a tiny percentage of what goes into operating the actual real world. Um, and if you've got the, the right idea and the right structure, there's all new regulatory frameworks to, for you to be able to raise the, the right type of capital for the, for the business that you're in. Excellent. I, that's a, such a valuable, incredible, and different, like unique perspective uh, because you hear a lot about founders trying to raise capital based off that committed amount they have from other investors, right? They bring it up so much, uh, how much is committed. Uh, or who committed? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's all sheep. Oh, well, Sequoia wrote the first check. Oh, I'm in. Like, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> Um, that's not exactly how the world works. It's really helpful for some of the funds, but not for the entrepreneur. And how, how can you communicate that? Knowing that investors uh, are so used to being able to write the terms, how do you communicate that tactfully uh, in a way to be able to be still very firm and, and assertive towards it, but at the same time still not break that rapport with the investor? If you can't convince an investor that you've got the stamina and the chutzpah to put forth some terms, like how are you going to convince someone to join your team? How are you going to convince a client to, uh, you know, take you on as uh, 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 someone they want to work with? How are you going to convince a reporter that they should write the story kind of this way, right? Um, basically just put it out there they're like well we want to go think about it and and you say okay well let me send you the the terms and it's a rolling close and you just state it factually um and, you know you don't have to be rude about it it's just being polite well you know who who's the lead investor um we're not doing it that way we're uh, raising capital on a rolling close and if it's a seed round maybe on a convertible note uh here are the terms if you'd like to pursue participate would be great. Oh, the other thing that's kind of really important, in a lot of cases, don't focus necessarily on the dollar amount, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're talking to angel investors, uh, it's not necessarily in a lot of cases the person, uh, uh, sorry, the amount of capital, it's, it's the person. Uh, said differently, um, if it's someone who's going to write three quarters of a million dollars out of a million dollar round, and he or she's driving you crazy and you're going to have to live with this person, giving them updates uh, along the way. And you really don't want to do the business with them. It might frankly be better to get, you know, six people that can do the 750 together and not have to deal with that person. Alternatively, you know, I had an investor at one time uh, wanted the minimum was 25,000 at, at that round or whatever. And he wanted to put in 10 grand. And I'm like, okay, paperwork and everything else. And at the end, of, I, I don't know why I decided, fine, we'll, we'll like make an exception, you put in 10K. And I'm, thankfully I did because he went on to raise his own fund. He's probably made nearly 200 investments by now. Uh, and he introduced us to one of his limited partners of his future fund who a year or two or three later decided to write a $5 million check into that offering. You never know who knows who or, or what have you. And if I would have just, you know, blown off that person and said, ah, oh, no, 10K is too little, you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have gotten that investor. So 
Uh, that's the other thing you need to kind of think about. Excellent. Well, Bill, those are incredibly valuable points. They're, they're definitely very unique. So I really thank you for sharing that. Uh, as you know, these Capital Con interviews are, are quick, uh, 15 minute fire hose interviews. Um, so we thank you, but I, I know you have another point that you want to share. Well, one last thing uh, that the SEC just changed, uh, just 15 seconds. Um, basically, uh, uh, if you're trying to raise a, your first seed round or whatever, one thing you want to look at is a regulation CF, uh, which is a new kind of way to raise capital. They just, uh, I think later this first quarter, uh, March, April timeframe, uh, the SEC should change the limit from a million dollars to five million. Um, and that can be uh, profoundly helpful uh, for a lot of seed stage uh, kind of early or earlier companies. So check it out, Regulation CF. Please be safe out there. Thanks for doing the call, and hopefully uh, I'll be able to help you in uh, one way or another. Thank you so much, Bill.